0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of The Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We have a great show today. We're gonna talk about Aaron Rodgers making sense for the first time in a long time. Why his comments to Peter King brought everything together and I think we have our path forward and I'm really excited about it. And I feel like it is the final cherry on top of the Aaron Rodgers saga. We'll also talk a little bit about where we are with the Wisconsin Badgers. We are only a few weeks away from Wisconsin-Penn State. Got to get ready for college football. Got to start feeling good about college football. And lastly, we're going to start getting you ready for the Packers season by looking at the opponents they will play. Um, We're going to start with the Chicago Bears. So we'll kind of do a little Bears preview here and get you ready as the season gets goes on gets going here in August so you start feeling like an expert when kickoff starts in mid-September probably going to do the same thing for the Badgers as well I don't know if you know this I've mentioned this a few times but I'm getting married um in a couple weeks uh less almost less than 10 days now and we're gonna need some content to kind of backfill. So that's kind of why I'm doing this, so that we have some stuff later in the week, next week, that we can use as fodder to say like, all right, yeah, let's run this back. So you guys still have some stuff to listen to, on Thursday and Friday. I'm hoping it's gonna be original content. Hope it's not going to be basically me clipping all of this and saying, all right, here you go. Um, but we'll see, we'll just see what how it goes. Um, it's a crazy ride, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of you who listen are married or are getting married. You know that the experience is not an easy one. But enough about me, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers talked to Peter King on his off day on August 11th. I'm not sure why our guy Murph couldn't get the interview with Rogers. Um, he talks about how he's part of the Rogers media mafia, and Peter King beat him to the story, which, I mean, look, here's the thing. I guess guess Peter King beat, beat you, but um, no, I'm just kidding. Peter King is one of the best in the business. I don't always like the wokeness from Peter King, but he's still one of the best reporters to ever do it. He is still on top of his game. And so, of course, Peter King gets the ultimate Rodgers story and talking to Aaron Rodgers, figuring out that A, Aaron Rodgers didn't know if he was going to be a Green Bay Packer this season, and B, that Rodgers is okay with whatever hand he has dealt for this year and he is not going to try to rock the boat. He's not going to be a distraction. He is here for his teammates and they want one thing and one thing at all is to win a Super Bowl. And see, maybe him and Brian Gunakus can become friends. He is not ruling it out but it doesn't seem very likely. Now, Rogers didn't say that last part. I am paraphrasing. Just based off, if you've met a guy for four years, you kind of know if you like somebody or you don't like somebody, right? Like, there's not a lot of people you meet in your life where you say, oh, you know what? I kind of like that guy. Like, I can think of one or two examples where I met somebody, you know, maybe the second or third time where the first time I thought they were a douchebag and I didn't really like them and I'm like, fucks up with that guy and then I met him the second time or a third time and I was like ah you know what not not too bad okay like he's all right but then there have been other instances where then it turns out to be a douchebag again so I don't know I that stuff's so hard right and so Aaron Rodgers trying to get in good with Goody you know the Randall Cobb thing I think helped right now they're trying to petition to get Clay Matthews back, which is a whole ridiculous thing that I've covered on the blog and on socials at Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok if you want to see that. But the fact is, is like maybe he doesn't bring back Clay Matthews, and then Rogers is like, "All right, now I hate this guy again." I don't know. I have no idea how this guy ticks, right? But he does seem like he has a positive mindset, and he does seem like everything is sort of at peace. Aaron Rodgers is at peace with what will happen but what I want to do is I kind of want to look at the comment of I didn't think I would be here this year that last year at this time so as training camps getting started as they're getting through all the COVID stuff that Rodgers did not think he'd be a packer after a 2020 season now this makes all the sense in the world because you think back to the Tampa Bay press conference and Aaron Rodgers is talking about how much he loved everybody. He's talking about just his experience in Green Bay, what Green Bay meant to him. It prompted Jason Wilde, who does sort of live in the moment. That's the kind of guy Jason is. There's nothing wrong with that. Jason goes, I think this is Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer. That's how it sounds. And everybody killed Jason, I, I me included. I can't remember my tweet. I was a little drunk and back then, but like I, we all did. We all sort of looked at it and we're like, "What the fuck, Willy? Like, come on, man! Like that—that's not. No, you're just overreacting. You're just playing a part." And Willy's like, "No, I don't know." And, and anyone who knows Rogers is Jason Wilde. He did a show with him. He was the Tuesdays with Aaron before Pat McAfee. That was what Jason Willie was. He knows Aaron. They get a lot of stories from Aaron. Like, there is a a strong connection there with Wildy and Rogers. It is not fabricated in any sense of the word. And now Rogers has said he's not going to write a book. Even though King did say this will make a great book someday. He's like, some things are better left unsaid. If anyone's going to write the Rogers book, it's going to be Jason Wilde. And it would be an incredible book. I don't know if Jason has any interest in writing a book. I don't think he's done some stuff that's like 50 Packers or something that, you know, just kind of makes these guys a little extra scratch. You've seen McCalvey do it. You've seen Name do it. There it's I don't hate the hustle at all, but I don't know if he'd actually write like a 300 or 400 page book on Aaron Rodgers the other guy who could write it would be Kevin Clark I think Kevin Clark and Rodgers have a really good relationship partly because they're similar in personalities like if you ever listen to Kevin Clark on a podcast he has a lot of that Rodgers in him and so that's why I think they get along I don't know I'd love to interview Kevin Clark I I'd probably be pretty nervous to interview Kevin Clark I'm not gonna lie I'd be I'd probably be like when I interview Kevin Clark I'd have to be like don't be fucking Russillo just whatever you do, do not copy Racilla Just try to be your own voice. Try to give your own voice out there. But seriously, like I would love to know from Kevin, like, why are you and Roger close? And also too, if you're a local radio, this is sometimes where local radio just completely misses the point. Like having Kevin Clark on maybe once every two weeks would be so much more beneficial than having some former fucking player. Because- he has an insight into Rodgers a little bit. He sat down with Rodgers multiple times. The guy knows his shit. So, anyways, I kind of I kind of dovetailed there. But back to Wildy is when Wildy said ah, this is his last last game. We all kind of went crazy about it. And then the rumors and everything came out on draft day, and that was calculated by Adam Schefter. People can say what they want. But Adam Schefter sat on that story until draft day because ESPN did not have a draft story. It was pretty cut and dry that Trevor Lawrence was going on, Zach Wilson was going to. There was a lot of intrigue around pick three, but most people thought, I are going to take Trey Lance and that's going to be it. So there was no real drama for the NFL draft. So as you get closer and closer and the drama is lessening and lessening Adam Schefter just drops a bomb that Aaron Rodgers seeks to be traded, wanna be traded, and everything flies around. Mark Schleyer is reporting that it's almost a done deal that the Packers are gonna trade him to Denver and they we're all on edge. I'm at a Brewer game, of all things. you know, First Brewer game in two years and I'm distracted as fuck because I'm like, is Aaron Rodgers gonna get traded? So it throws everything in a tailspin for the rest of the year, but in reality, it was not that true that Rogers was leaving. Rogers built up a story in his head. And we're all guilty of doing this. I, man, I can't tell you how many times I've built up fake stories in my head. This person must think this way about me, or I'm going to get fired, or I'm going to have this happen to me. I, I mean, for in the trust tree here, a lot of my anxiety problems, as I've spoke about on the podcast before, a lot of my anxiety problems are created by making up fake stories. And that's kind of what the anxiety medication does for me is it settles me down, it, it kind of makes me zen, right? And it pulls me back to say like, those stories go away. You don't start thinking a mile a minute. And so I'm not like saying Aaron Rodgers has a general anxiety disorder, not at all. But I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers might've created a story that wasn't exactly true. That because Aaron Rodgers had lack of communication with Brian Gunacoust and Mark Murphy on his own terms, right? That they, that the story was sort of made up to Rodgers. Rodgers was like, you know what? this is my last year. I'm done here. They don't want me back. They drafted Jordan. I've seen how this has happened with Jordy Nelson. I saw how this happened with um, Charles Woodson. I saw this happened with Randall Cobb. Like I am just another guy. I am no different than any of my other fucking best friends. And the Packers were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kind of like the Shannon Sharp gif. Like that's how the Packers were. Like, no, no, this is not what it was. Like. Here's what happened. Yes, we screwed up by not letting you know we were gonna take a quarterback and giving you the reasons why we we're gonna take a quarterback. Here's why we haven't reached out to you about free agents and all this other shit. We didn't know that this is how you wanted to be as part of the organization because you don't talk to us. That's the that's the thing I think that gets lost in a lot of this is Aaron Rodgers and the front office don't have a relationship. So how is the front office supposed to know that Aaron Rodgers wants to be involved in free agent conversations. And also, again, Aaron Rodgers had zero idea about how the cap worked, and everybody can say, oh, the Saints do it. Saints have no fucking depth. We'll get into the Saints in one of our previews this this upcoming couple weeks. You're going to find out that the Saints are a team that's built on straws, and it's because they run their team like riverboat gamblers. They just spend fucking money. They burn the ships. They don't care. Some people admire that in the Packer world, Packer fans, some Packer Twitter members do. But in reality, it's not a good way to run a successful football team. At some point, it is gonna fall apart and crumble. That's why the Rams are so fascinating. The Rams have done something similar. If the Rams go on to win a Super Bowl, then I'm fucking wrong, but I don't think they will. Mostly because I think Matt Stafford's overrated, but that's, again, another story for the Rams preview. Aaron Rodgers was not part of those conversations because the front office didn't have a relationship with him. And so now that they kind of do or they're working on it and Rodgers says there's optimism, maybe there will be that chance. Rodgers isn't thinking about 2022, nor should any of us. I think it is over that we think about 2022. We should not worry about next season. We should not be clamoring for Aaron Rodgers to get traded mid-season if the Packers struggle out the gates. If the Packers are two and four or three and three, there will be people screaming from the fucking rooftops to trade Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, Green Bay has a plan. What that plan is, we're not privy to it. It is held under lock and key. But Green Bay does have a plan for all of this. There is a calculated decision tree that's being worked out. And I do think that there is a scenario where Jordan Love gets traded, whether it's this season or next off season. I do think the Packers can sell the Matt LaFleur experience to some other team. Why? Look at all the coaches around the NFL and where Matt LaFleur has influence. The New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers, the Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, just to name a few, and I'm sure I'm missing some. It's only gonna oh Cincinnati, it's only gonna grow. Oh Tennessee, uh, Atlanta. So like I, that's I've just named six teams out of the blue, and I'm sure I could find more. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm missing some. And so Matt Lafleur's influence is only gonna go stronger in this league as the Packers get or more successful. And there will be people who watch preseason tape, and if it's good enough, that might want to trade for Jordan Love. And the Packers then say to Aaron, look, we want you to end your career here. We want you to do something that Favre couldn't do. We want to end this on the right way. We want to talk about what is that succession plan. And I don't think they've had that conversation either. My dad's been on this for a while. It's credit to him. I really shut my dad on the podcast. We should just do one. We'll see how it goes. Like, I don't, I don't even know how it would go, but we should definitely do that. And the thing is, is he said, like, look, they didn't expect it. They All of a sudden, Rodgers was like, hey, what are you going to do after you retire? And Rodgers like, what? I haven't even thought about the back nine of my career yet. I'm just playing football. And then the Jordan Love draft pick made him think about the back nine. He's like, holy shit, I'm going to be a lame duck like everybody else. Fuck this. I'm not going to let this happen. So here we are now. And I'm all in on this season. I could not be more in. I think the Packers are built to be a Super Bowl contender. I think they're built to be a Super Bowl winner. I think there is no real separation between the Packers and the Buccaneers when David Bakhtiari gets back. I think when David Bakhtiari isn't back, there's a little bit of separation, but it's Tampa, Green Bay, and everybody else. I don't believe in the Rams. I will obviously talk more about the Rams, but I'm not a big believer in what the... Los Angeles Rams can do this season. I don't think the Seahawks are gonna be something to fear. I don't think anything in the NFC East is going to be a big swinging dick in the cracker factory, maybe the Cowboys, because they'll have a really weak schedule after being dog shit last season, who knows? But I, I just don't see it. I don't see anyone that's coming close to Green Bay and Tampa. And I believe in Aaron Rodgers, and I think he can kind of bring this home again for Green Bay. And it would not surprise me if at middle of February, Aaron Rodgers holding up the Lombardi trophy yet again. Moving on to another kind of football, we will get back to the NFL and talk a little bears here in a second. So it's kind of like a pro football sandwich with a college football meat. So what would that look like? What's like a professional bread? Maybe a nice focaccia and then a college meat. Would you say like a bologna? So a focaccia sandwich with bologna, or a bologna sandwich on focaccia, maybe. You like how I just can pronounce focaccia like a motherfucker? I actually, that one was bad. As I'm getting excited, I'm like, did I screw that up at the end? Whatever. All right, so the Badgers, uh, they are ranked 12th to start the year. The AP poll came out, Badgers at 12. I think it's a little bit of a surprise. Now, they bring a lot of guys back, so I get that. Badgers had a really bad year. Badgers had their first real down year in a long time. I still made a bowl. But it was, it was the first real year of Paul Chris tenure where they didn't look like the Badgers. They struggled to score. They were unwatchable at certain points. And it just wasn't the team that I think we've all watched throughout the last five or six years. Now, a lot of that had to do with COVID. And I'll admit to you, that college football is kind of sneaking up on me because of COVID. Because last year we didn't have college football right away. Like it took a couple weeks. And then by mid-September, we were kind of back in the throes of it. And then we had all these COVID cancellations, and every week it was something else. And it was just so fucking crazy in the world of college football. And finally, by about no mid November, late November, we kind of got our head on straight and we figured it all out. But man. It was not a fun college football year because you'd have these cancellation games. Now, hopefully, fingers crossed, there's none of that this season. And so that's where we're getting ready. But can the Badgers reclaim themselves as one of the top teams in the Big Ten? I think they can. I, I think there are still there's still work to be done. I look at this roster right now and I can't see them competing with an Ohio State who's going to be a juggernaut again this year. It's hard for me to believe that the Badgers can up their game to a next level. I think the only way that happens is if Graham Mertz becomes you know, a Heisman-like contender. And if Graham Mertz does, then that totally changes the story on this Badger season. That takes the Badgers to another level. But right now where we sit, Graham Mertz has kind of struggled. He hasn't had that great of a training camp. This is getting a lot of deep dives from... Jeff Patrikas, a couple other Badger blogs to kind of look at what what they've seen so far. And the results on Mertz is not great. People aren't really talking highly about Graham Mertz. And now you'd hate for Graham Mertz to be the next Bart Houston, right? A guy who had so much hype, who had so much sort of good vibes to him that was finally the guy to break the Badger quarterback curse. He can't break it. And maybe it's a conversation we need to have about Paul Christ's offense. I don't know. I don't know if we're there just yet or if it's just the QB. And if maybe the top tier of quarterbacks do not fit in what Paul Christ is trying to do with his Badger offense, I don't know. But the pressure on Mertz will grow if they lose to Notre Dame. And I know that sounds very blunt, sounds very direct, but here's the thing. The Irish are starting Jack Cohen. Jack Cohen will be getting the ball for the Fighting Irish to start the season doesn't mean that Jack Cohen will be the starter the entire year, but it likely means that when Notre Dame and Wisconsin get together, we will see Jack Cohen versus Graham Martz, which is a great headline, Notre Dame number nine in the country. Uh, so that'll be a, obviously a tough game for the Badgers, but I can't really see a way where you don't have Jack Cohen as the starter. I guess the only real way would be if he stumbles against Florida State and Toledo, and maybe they make a switch before the Purdue game, I don't know. I don't. I really don't. Um, but I do think that Jack Cohen will be the starter. And if he beats the Badgers and he outplays Graham Mertz, there will be a lot, a lot of questions about Graham Mertz in the future. Now, I think Chase Wolf did some nice things, but Chase Wolf's just a guy. He's not a. He's not an actual quarterback in a power five conference in my opinion i do think what really helps is all the receivers are back i couldn't believe that looking through this and i'm like kendrick Pryor's back danny davis is back jack dunn's back like those guys have been there for fucking ever like the van Wy- the van wilder team the committee is looking at that badger wide receiver core and being like holy shit jake ferguson too at tight end who's was their best rec- receiving threat last season like all those guys being back will really help Graham Mertz. And if Chase Wolf for some reason comes in at quarterback, it will also help Chase Chase Wolf. Now, as for the running attack, where the Badgers are known known for, they didn't have a running back last year. They have three guys who could potentially take over the reins in Jalen Berger, Ches Malusi, or Isaac Guerrero. Now, all three are not gonna be Like, I'm not looking at any of them and saying, all right, this guy can be the stud. Like, I'm not saying any of them are like, all right, this is the workhorse. Maybe Jalen Berger. I really like Jalen Berger. I think Jalen Berger has potential. But the guy that's kind of hanging in the wings is Braylon Allen. Like, aren't we all just kind of waiting for the Braylon Allen breakout? Badgers have a very tough schedule to start with Penn State, Eastern Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan, then they do Illinois, and then an Army at home, which don't sleep on Army. Uh, the, mid, the the cadets are gonna give you a game without question. Uh, so it's not an easy schedule for the Badgers per se, but maybe that Braylon Allen game comes at Illinois or even Army where he's 238. I mean, the guy's a tank. The guy seems like he has that Ron Dane. Like that's really high praise, right? But it seems like he could be at that level. Like he is that good. And so Ron Dane, as a freshman, was unbelievable. Had one of his best years as a college athlete. And if you really look at those stats, you could say maybe Ron Dane should have been nominated for a Heisman in his freshman year. And Braylon Allen, I'm not putting that pressure on Braylon Allen, but I think you saw it last year with Texas, right? With Bajon Robinson, who's a sophomore, who I think is a sneaky guy you might want to throw a little money on, maybe as a Heisman candidate, by the way, if you're doing some future stuff like Bajon Robinson came on strong at the end of the year as a freshman and we're like holy shit this guy could be the next Adrian Peterson I think there is some of that with Braylon Allen like I think Braylon Allen is not going to be a factor early on but I think at some point Paul Chris is going to release Braylon Allen into the wild and it's going to be a sight to see and I think by next year Braylon Allen is going to be your starting running back for the Badgers Offensive line has to get healthy. Um, that's the other thing with that offense. I just, right now, all you read is how many injuries this offensive line has had. I like the way Paul Christ is selling it, where he's like, well, we're getting guys in different positions, so they're getting more comfortable not only playing tackle, guard, vice versa. I mean, that is a great way to sell it. That's very politician of him. I mean, that's, maybe Paul Chris decides to run for office, but that's the nice way of saying, yeah, we're just missing bodies. We can't get anyone to be healthy for the life of us. That's a problem. The Badgers will need to have some some continual, some validity in that offensive line group, especially as you're playing Penn State and Notre Dame and Michigan in the three of the first four games of the season. You're gonna have to come out of that three and one if you want a chance at playoff glory. And if you don't, like, well, not that they don't, but if you don't get that, you're gonna be fighting a really uphill battle. And maybe the best case scenario is playing spoiler to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. As for the defense of the Badgers, I love this defense. I think every year the Badgers have a pretty talented defense and it's really no different. Um, They have studs all over the place. Guys who I feel like could be in the NFL without question. Keanu Benton, Jack Sanborn, Uh, Leo Chanel I believe it's Leo Chanel Uh, I just had Chanel Scott Nelson Fayon Hicks Cesar Williams like those are all good players they're all really solid players and they all play different positions you know Benton at the front seven Sandberg and Chanel in the middle Nelson Hicks and Williams in the secondary those are all draftable guys now and they can they're all going to make plays and they the Badgers have a ton of playmakers on defense. And I think that could help an offense that still might be. I'm not saying it's a rudderless ship. Last year at times it was a rudderless ship. This time it could just be a sailboat where you know it's Tommy Boy and they're hoping for a gust of wind to come through. The gust of wind could be the Badger defense making a big play. It could be a Jack Sanborn forced fumble. It could be a Fayon Hicks interception. Those are type of plays that can help turn short short fields for the Badger offense and quick touchdowns. And that might be how the Badgers have to win football games, especially against good teams. The one place, a couple places where they're like, eh, I don't know. They really don't have an edge rusher right now. There isn't a guy, I look at that roster and I say, all right, yeah, that guy makes sense. If you all the stuff you read, none of the edge rushers seem like they're making any sort of leap here. So I would imagine that a lot of that pressure is going to come from Sanborn and it's going to come from Chanel. That's, to me, what makes the most sense. They also are a little light up front. They're not that deep after uh, Benton and Henningsen. I meant to mention Matt Henningsen. I'm sorry, I forgot Matt Henningsen. There's some people that are going to be mad at me if I don't mention Matt Henningsen. Matt Henningsen, also a really good player, a guy who I think could easily be another draftable mention. But again, if they get they get light on that line they lose benton they lose Hen- hennington they don't have much left so that's that could be a, a slight issue for for the badgers front seven but i do really like this defense i think they're going to be very successful and special teams they have that Jack punter who's like fucking huge and i just want him to lay somebody out that's probably the only goal i have for badgers special teams this year and also they have not a reliable kicker like and i really since fat rafa they haven't had a reliable kicker, it's unbelievable. I don't know how that happens. Wisconsin has a good soccer, you know, program. Like they have good good kickers. Well, why the fuck can't the badgers get a good kicker? So we'll obviously check back in with the badgers as the season gets closer. We'll try to keep the badgers a little more integrated into the show as we get closer and closer to the college football season. Cannot wait. I'm sad that I'll miss some games in week zero because your boy is getting married, as mentioned. That said. I'm okay with it. There's not a lot. Will I gamble on it? Probably. Will I probably lose money on it? Yes, but that's that's part of it. I'm just glad to be back. Lastly, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. I need like a name for this. So if anyone wants to come up with it, I'll, I'll workshop some stuff. Tapping the kegs, takedowns, tapping the kegs. Nah, I was going to say, like, toast to the other opponent, but that's, like, Reddit shit. Like, Packer fan coming in peace. Bears played a good game today. But anyways, we'll workshop a name. I promise. We'll get something. But basically, we're just going to kind of go through a few things and kind of look at the season at a whole for Chicago and a lot of the other Packer opponents throughout this year. So, start with Chicago. Minnesota will be next. Detroit after. And then we'll kind of go down the schedule. So New Orleans, San Francisco, you, you, get, you get the point. So who do, when do the Packers play the Chicago Bears, you might ask? Week six in Chicago and week 14 in Green Bay. Week six is a noon start, one of the few noon starts for the Green Bay Packers. And week 14 is Sunday night in Lambeau in the cold of December. Awesome. Always good for that. It's a third and four game road trip for the Green Bay Packers. So they'll be in San Francisco, home for Pittsburgh, then out to Cincinnati, then back to Chicago. So not a great stretch for your Packers. Um, Not an easy one to say the least. And then the Packers will be coming off a bye for the week 14 game, which I I can't remember LaFleur's record off byes in his tenure. (laughs) being off the of buy, usually you'd say, all right, that's a good thing. But the Packers have been dreadful off the buy with Matt LaFleur. Uh, they got waxed by San Francisco in year one, and they got waxed by Tampa Bay in year two. So let's hope that year three, being at home against one of your rivals, you're not going to get waxed. The strengths for the Bears, it's the same as it's been for so long, right? It's the front seven. It's Khalil Mack, it's Rocon Smith, It's Robert Quinn, it's Akeem Hicks, it's Eddie Goldman. Those All those big boys, man, are mean and nasty. And when they get going, it is really hard to beat the Bears. And when that pass rush really starts bearing down on you, no pun intended, it makes it a hell of a time for the opposition. And this Bears defense wants to force turnovers, they wanna get sacks, they wanna beat you up. They wanna play a 13 to 10 football game. And that's what this defense can do when it's running on all cylinders. And now I know some people are critical of Khalil Mack saying that he didn't live up to maybe the trade expectation, but that's why NFL trades are always so weird, man. I I feel like we know this, right? Like I feel like we know that trades are always, always a little bit uneven, right? That they're, they're not always the easiest thing to make happen. Uh, Akeem Hicks wants to finish his career with the Chicago Bears. So they're apparently trying to work on some contract. Um, I don't think you'd want Akeem Hicks not happy. Uh, having Akeem Hicks not happy would probably be a bad sign. But again, as long as they stay healthy, this front seven can beat beat anybody. They can just dominate young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks, give Rodgers a lot of trouble. I think week six, you hopefully will have Bakhtiari back. So it probably evens the playing field for the Green Bay Packers uh, with this front seven, because they're they're not fun to go against in any way, shape, or form. From a weakness standpoint, I would say it's depth. I, I don't really see it with their team when it comes to their actual depth chart. Besides the quarterback position, the Bears are like a few injuries away from being in trouble all over the field. I could point to the secondary. I could point to linebackers. I could point to the, to the front. Front four, I could point to the offensive line. I could point to the wide receivers. Like, could you imagine them losing Allen Robinson? What would happen to the to the Chicago Bears if they lost to Allen Robinson? I mean, come on, Daryl Mooney and Marquise Goodwin—that would be awful if you're a Bears fan. And so, I don't see how the Bears survive this season and are successful if they have multiple big injuries. If they have big injuries; they're fucked. They are really fucked. But if they stay healthy, for the most part, you know, Nixon bruises, guy misses a game, another guy misses another game here, maybe he misses two games, they could be all right. They could be pretty successful. They could start knocking on the door for a potential playoff spot. But the question becomes, is like the one place you do have depth at the quarterback position, when do you pull that tray trigger for Justin Fields? The two part, next two parts kind of coincide. The toughest stretch for Chicago starts in week 5. They go to Vegas, they come home to play Green Bay, then they go back to t- they go back on the road to play Tampa, home for San Francisco, then at Pittsburgh. Man, that is a 5-game stretch that I would not want any part of. I think Vegas is going to be a tough place to play. I realize that Vegas crowd will be a majority of Bears fans, but still It's Vegas. We don't know what we're gonna see with Vegas as its normal self, right? Is there going to be any sort of Vegas hangover, right? Are we going to see any of that? So we'll see what happens with the Vegas, Green Bay, Tampa, San Francisco, Pittsburgh stretch. We're in the middle of the season, week five, and then they get a bye before they play Baltimore. So when will Justin Fields start? So that's, that's a really interesting question. Because the Bears are 1-2, you're going to have callers on ESPN 1000 shouting down to get Justin Fields to play against Detroit in Week 4. Detroit seems like the obvious answer in Week 4 or in Week, what is it, when they're playing on Thanksgiving. They had a Thanksgiving Day, which I'm sure the Fox, the Fox executives would be like, yeah, it'd be a real shame if Justin Fields ended up making it onto the uh, – Onto the Thanksgiving Day broadcast. We'd sure hate that. Psych. I I forget what week it is here. Pull it up. Week 12. So could could they really wait till week 12? I think if Matt Nagy waits till week 12, I think everybody in Chicago might try to kill him. So I do think Detroit is a possibility. But that said, like, they have a tough stretch right after it. Like, if you field start against Detroit, and then he has to go to Vegas, they have to play the Packers, they have to play the Buccaneers, San Francisco-Pittsburgh, I know I said it a couple of times now. You're like, Charlie, to repeat repeating yourself. Like, how do you, where do you find that that hole? Like, there's not a lot of easy places for the Bears to throw Justin Fields in. Like, it's unfortunate for them that they play Cincinnati so early. Like, Cincinnati would be the team where you're like, all right, let's unleash Justin Fields. And it's also unfortunate for them that their second game against Detroit is Thanksgiving because that gives Justin Fields less time to prepare. Unless they tell him after the bye, says, all right, Andy's going to play week 11 and you're coming in at week 12 and then you're taking us the rest of the way. And say, all right, Arizona at home, not 10 days off too. Maybe that's kind of easy. At Green Bay, primetime, not easy. Minnesota at home, middle of December, who knows what the Vikings look like. So maybe that's a little easy. Have to go to Seattle. So I don't know. I don't know, there's not really a right time to play Justin Fields. And I think there could be an argument, and I'll I'll put it out here for the people, and this is probably more for my Bears fans and less for my Packer fans, then wouldn't it make sense to just start Justin Fields at the beginning of the season? Like, I'm not playing the hot take game. I'm not playing, not fucking Max Kellerman saying, this could be the best quarterback class ever. Like, fuck off. No, it's not what I'm saying one bit. What I'm saying is, could this potentially open the door for the Justin Fields just to start right away? The schedule isn't easy. He'll take his lumps, we'll get him ready in that first four weeks. And then by week five, when that tough stretch starts, he's already had four weeks of NFL play. He's kind of acclimated to what he's trying to do. The funniest outcome for the Bears this year would be the Bears not starting Fields till post-bye week, but they're already two and seven for the year. Player I wish that wasn't on the Bears, I'd say Justin Fields. I'd also probably say Akeem Hex. Um, Rokon Smith would probably be my three. If I had to add a fourth, maybe Allen Robinson. Mostly because I just hate that motherfucker. Because everyone's like, Allen Robinson's never had a good quarterback. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Allen Robinson could have been a Packer, man. He decided to live in Chicago. Not it, not my fault. Record, I got the Bears 8-9. I They won't make the playoffs I think there will be a lot to build off this season. I think a lot of Bears fans will be excited. I think Matt Nagy will probably get fired. I would not be surprised if Ryan Day is the head coach of Chicago next year. Just keep that one in the tickler file. All right? Okay, that does it. I hope you guys enjoyed the little preview there, Um, especially uh, my Bears fans. My Bears fan friends out there, because I know you guys are out there. Uh, and we'll talk about the Vikings tomorrow as long as I'm not doing a podcast with Mitch we'll talk about the Brewers and Cardinals game number one and whatever else comes across the wire on Tuesday all right take care guys have yourself a great day back tomorrow see you bye